Doctor, what is your um, views in terms of the current rollout of J&J in South Africa? Well, I mean, that is that is very good news in the sense that our healthcare workers who have been in the front line of managing patients and keeping our public healthy are able to be protected through vaccination. And the fact that it is just a single shot vaccine, uh, it's going to make it easier to logistically administer this vaccine and the fact that it's not um, requiring any special storage conditions means that uh, the government can utilize the uh, cold chain infrastructure that it already has to to distribute uh, this vaccine. So it, it is a very, very good and optimistic period for the country. You know, the phase one of vaccination has already started and we can see a lot of excitement from the public and, and also from healthcare workers as they get vaccinated. I believe that South Africa had has not acquired license. However, they, they got emergency authorization. Is it possible that you can explain this emergency authorization to me? As far as I'm concerned, Johnson & Johnson has not been given emergency authorization. And let me explain to you what emergency authorization is. In the absence of a pandemic, if you to look at other vaccines that have been introduced into South African program, the manufacturer who makes the vaccine does clinical testing of the vaccine through the normal expected route of conducting phase one trial, which is done with a few healthy individuals to find out whether the vaccine is safe and whether it induces an immune response that is expected. Then if successful, you go to phase two, which requires a bit more people. And again, you try to look at whether your vaccine is safe and whether it induces an immune response and whether it protects people from what you want to prevent. And then you go to phase three study, which is much bigger. And in this case, you're trying to see whether the vaccine is again safe and whether it protects people from getting the the disease that you're trying to protect with the vaccination. And then after that, if you're successful, you submit your data to health regulator, which in the case of South African is TAPRA. And then uh, the health regulatory authority will take time to scrutinize the data and see whether every single regulatory requirement is fulfilled. And then after that, then the regulator gives the manufacturer a permission, which is authority to introduce the product into the South African market. So in the case of pandemic, in this case COVID, because of the agency, what happens is that once the data from phase one, two, and three has accumulated, instead of waiting for all that process which can take long for approval to be provided, you can, a health regulator can give what is called emergency authorization of a product. And what this means is that in addition to the data that you have provided the health regulator to register your product for emergency use, 
the regulator will continue asking you for more data so that you can show that the product is actually um, meeting the expected standards of the health regulator and subsequently you will give you will be provided with full authorization so emergency authorization usually happens where the risk and the public health cost of a disease is so high and the urgency to roll out an intervention in this case vaccine and at the same time you've got data that is sufficient to make a good decision in terms of authorization. In the absence of the emergency authorization that you say that South Africa did not get, was it right for government to roll it out? Yeah, so, so remember, it, 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 was, it was a good decision and I think um, cleverly so. So the government must be applauded for that. So, so remember, for the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, they had finished phase 3 trial, which I told you after you get to phase 3 and you have the data, you submit that to the regulator. So what, what the government did was that um, through the advice of experts, was that instead of the health regulator having to look at this data, which can take quite some time because it's, it's a serious decision and every single piece of information needs to be scrutinized. Johnson & Johnson had still was willing to offer South African government additional doses as part of an extended testing, but this is not phase this is called implementation study. So this would mean that the actual collection of more information about safety and how well the vaccine works could be collected while the regulator is, you know, looking at the data from phase one, two, and three from Johnson. So in that way, you are able to give people who are healthcare workers at very high risk of contracting COVID. A vaccine that at least we know it works and minimize the delay that comes because of the natural process, lengthy process of authorizing a product for emergency use. You told me the different phases that a vaccine trial has to go through. Yeah, so, so you've got phase one. So before you come to phase one, usually a vaccine should be tested in animals to show that it's safe and it works, okay? So those are called preclinical, and I don't think you need to really worry about that. Uh, so let's talk about the phases in human testing. So you start with phase one, and the purpose of phase one is to test whether your vaccine is safe because you do not want to give a product that is not safe. So to test that, you do not want to recruit a lot of people in, the, in, the, in your trial. And maybe before I talk about testing, it's very important to say that there's a lot of regulatory preparatory work that is required. As, as, as a sponsor who, who, has the, who has the vaccine, let's say I'm Johnson & Johnson, I have to identify a site 
to do my vaccine testing, phase one, eh? We're talking about phase one. So I must look for a site which has the infrastructure and the expertise because there's a lot of resources required to do uh, a clinical testing or vaccine. And then once you identify the site and you identify the person who can do it, usually through an institution, then you need to submit your proposal or what we call protocol that details exactly what you're going to do. And this protocol needs to be approved by the scientific committee that need to look at the science behind what you want to do. And then also it has to be approved by the ethics committee that makes sure that you have insurance for the people that is participating in the study and to make sure that you actually need to do this. And they will ask for any data to do with uh, past experience of the product. And also the health regulator need to license or to authorize that product to be tested. Okay. So then what you do, and you need to constitute an independent committee that is going to, you know, it's called Data and Safety Monitoring Board that will independently uh, review the data coming from the study. And then normally you have two groups that you give the vaccine randomly and another group that you do not give a vaccine, you give placebo like salt, water, saline. So, and the idea is to compare between the two groups whether there is any safety signal that is being picked by the group that is receiving the vaccine product. So ideally what you're expecting is that if your vaccine is safe, the group that received saline and the group that received vaccine, there is no difference in terms of safety signals. Very important is that you do not include big numbers at this stage. You're looking at about 20 to 50, let's say less than 100 participants. Then if your vaccine shows safe, it's safe at that stage, then you proceed to phase two, which is a bit bigger study. You will recruit, you know, up to about 500, just as an example. And again, you want now to look in more details about safety with a bigger number. But also in phase two, you're interested to look at whether the vaccine does induce an immune response that you expect it to do when it's given to people. So at the end of phase two, you will, you, the approach is very similar. And in this case, you might even want to test the dose that you want to give the people. Uh, if your vaccine works, you might want to have Within the phase two, you might have to, you might need to have two or three groups that receive different doses. And again, you compare with a placebo group. And if your results show that your vaccine itself induces the immune response that is expected, then the next is to go to phase three, where you actually test whether the vaccine works by looking at the people who receive the vaccine compared to the people who do not receive the vaccine, do they develop the disease that you want to prevent? So you'd expect that the group that received the vaccine has less 
number of people developing the disease which is being prevented by the vaccine compared to the group that did not receive the vaccine, which is the placebo group. Okay. And and um, after that, that is where you hear about Johnson has said, well, our vaccine is 80% effective in preventing mild to severe COVID because they compared the group that received Johnson and Johnson vaccine compared to the group that received uh, placebo and the outcome is uh, COVID uh, mild or severe. Or some, sometimes you go even up to hospitalization and death. And how well the vaccine works can be dependent on what the outcome is. And then after that, you can now go to phase four, um, which normally is when the vaccine has been licensed and in use. You continue collecting um, safety data because when you do phase three, at most you can do thousands of numbers, but when your vaccine is licensed, you do millions. So some rare adverse events or some rare safety signals that you could not pick up with thousands, you might pick up in a million. So it is good that even after the vaccine has been licensed, a monitoring of safety. Can you elaborate on the process of licensing? Oh, the, the, so the process of licensing is uh, really informed by the data that the sponsor is collecting from all these phases. So remember, even I talked about preclinical. So the regulator will be keen to see every single data that has been generated from testing of these vaccines, including from animal studies, phase one, phase two, phase three. And they are not interested on not only on data from one country, they want data from multiple sources so that they can be able to make a decision on whether the vaccine is safe, whether the vaccine works, and whether this is the right product for the country. So licensing is very much based on uh, all the data collected during the testing of the vaccine. And it's done by national health regulator. And because of the enormous work involved in going through uh, hundreds of pages of data, a lot of regulators form like a consortium which can help them share information and in a way help fast track the process of licensing. And then after it's licensed, what does this mean? When it is licensed, it means that the product has been given authority of usage. It is a confirmation that the product is good to be used for. And WHO, World Health Organization, as an example, usually licenses the vaccine. You could look at WHO as a global regulator, okay? So, so when WHO looks at it and licenses at a global level, it makes it easier for national regulator because the national regulator can actually look at 
the data that was, you know, looked at by WHO in addition to, of course, engaging with the vaccine uh, manufacturer and, and, and um, you know, license that. So traditionally, most of the countries have always provided licensure of vaccines after the WHO has licensed those vaccines. But I think because of COVID, the urgency to roll out these vaccines, and I told you it's a very lengthy process because of how much data people need to review, you're seeing now that many national health regulatory authorities are making efforts to actually review the data and license even before the WHO. But, you know, internationally speaking, FDA, which is the National Health Regulator for the United States, and EMA, which is the European Medical Agency, the Health Regulator for the European Union, they are normally the front runners when it comes to, you know, reviewing the data and providing license. And, you know, after that, normally WHO comes in, and then afterwards, many other national health regulators comes on board. And then I take it, um, once it's licensed, then it's commercial? Yes. So, so, so once it's licensed, uh, it means that if you have a pharmacy label and you want to buy a vaccine, then you can be able to buy that vaccine and administer it. If it's not licensed, so even if it's licensed by WHO and it's not licensed by South African health regulators, you cannot be able to bring the vaccine in, in South Africa. So licensure by the or approval by the authority actually is, 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 is important for making sure that the product can be used in the country. The confusion that is going around and what is confusing people is that now government is saying that with that Johnson & Johnson, there is a study that is happening in South Africa. Can you tell me more about that? Remember, you do phase one, phase two, and phase three, okay? And I talked phase four is when you have licensure, okay? So Johnson has not been licensed in South Africa. So what phase is all implement. I call it implementation. Is where, and it's phase three B, which means that you have bigger numbers in terms of people who receive the vaccine. You've got bigger numbers than the one that participated in phase three, because this is phase three B, and nobody receive a placebo because you know the product works from phase three. So ideally, what you want to do is to test confirm whether the vaccine is safe and confirm whether the vaccine actually works. But already you are doing that with some data that tells you this vaccine is clearly safe, this vaccine is clearly effective at once. But remember with with testing, it's all about the numbers. So that's why we start with phase one, small numbers, phase two, more numbers, phase three, even more numbers. So within Tonga, it's even bigger numbers. And I think that is what the government has been trying to do as the registration or licensure of Johnson & Johnson uh, is, is being um, considered. What is interesting is that uh, when South Africa decided to, to to roll out or to do the study of Johnson with implementation study, the U.S. FDA had not approved Johnson & Johnson. 
So on Monday, I think this week, they approved Johnson and Johnson for emergency use. Okay. So the reason I'm telling you this is that sometimes we can look at it from a negative side or we can look at it from the positive side. If we were to wait for the actual registration of this vaccine in order to give our priority group, which is healthcare workers, it may have it may have taken probably another two or three months. Okay. And I can assure you the products would not be different. It would be exactly the same as the product that the healthcare workers are getting now. So given the fact that the healthcare workers are being told to sign and a study, they may people if they are not explained fully the reason behind this process, they might feel that they are participating in a study, in a clinical trial. But I need to remind you, in this case, nobody is getting placebo or saline, which is what I told you, a comparison um, product. And the reason is because we know the vaccine does work. So this is a process to actually fast track the administration of vaccines to healthcare workers at high risk of acquiring COVID, but at the same time, not compromising safety or any other aspect. The only reason this is being done, Lebo, is because if we were to wait for the normal process of health regulator to finish registration of the vaccine, it will take long. And as it takes long, people are getting infected. It's actually a very clever move by, by the government because in many cases it's very hard to use the vaccine like this before it's approved by these big regulators like FDA and European Medical Agency and and WHO. But think about it. This vaccine was tested on South Africa in phase three. So the manufacturer uses phase three data to convince or to show the regulator that their product is safe and their product works. So, and Johnson & Johnson has potentially given SAPRA, South African Health Regulatory Authority, data. But it's not an overnight thing. There's huge, huge, huge details that are contained in this data. So, it's not something that approval does not happen in a week's time. You know, it takes time because it's a due diligence process which requires a lot of regard, meticulous uh, review of data. And so, so government looking at it as an implementation study was a way to make sure that our healthcare workers are protected without necessarily compromising their safety. But perhaps the communication could have been better so that it's not taken as a full rollout because you don't roll out a product before it licenses. And I think that's where the confusion is. Look, communication is, is a challenge for, for not a challenge, it's, it's a priority for stakeholders uh, when it comes to vaccination and more so with COVID-19 vaccine. I think uh, 
we call it optimal communication. There is a vacuum that is created in social media for people to be informed and inform the public. And sadly, a lot of people are getting information from social media that is not correct. And it is critical for all stakeholders to put more effort and find innovative strategies to communicate accurately, up-to-date, and efficient. Efficiently, information that is important to make people understand 